So what was like the one value that was impressed upon you as a kid, like in your families, like the thing that, that just still kind of sticks with you? Like if, if you could think back on your time at home and time with your parents, like th- it was this one thing that you remember that they taught you about life and then um, it still kind of sticks with you. And for me, it, I don't know if my brothers would say the same thing, but for whatever reason this stuck with me was just my dad's conviction that your life should be governed by the Bible. Um, he he always said the book chapter verse like it's a concept mm-hmm. that you know a church has heard me say numerous times, so like if I would give him my opinion, he would just say book chapter verse, and that, I knew what that meant. It meant just find it in the Bible. Uh, don't just don't just create an opinion and a value for your life based on whatever you want, and and that honestly was a pivotal thing for me because, it, I mean, <clears throat> as our culture has gone the opposite direction of you know each person gets to define their own truth. I've never had that conviction. I've never had the conviction that. I'm smart enough to create my own truth. Like I, sure. I feel wholly uh, unqualified for that. So even like one of the compliments that people will say of our church is they'll say like, wow, you guys actually preach the Bible, which is just a bizarre compliment to me because yeah. I was raised in a Bible teaching church. We are, but I'm like, man, like I can't even imagine what church would be like if you're not using the Bible. Cause I am, I'm again, I'm not being falsely humble. I have no confidence in my own opinion, like to get up there on a Sunday and say, you should live your life this way sure. based on what I think you should do. Like, mm-hmm. no, because yeah. when those people do that and it fails miserably, yeah. I would feel the weight of that. So um, that might have been heavier than what you were looking no, for. No, that's all right. <laughs> Sorry. What about you? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have any, like, specific ones. I, I think that's the unique thing of thinking back how your life has been shaped by the influences of your family and peers and all that. I mean, in a similar way, I would say that there was just a lot of, like, Judeo-Christian values and morals instilled in my, you know, that's one of the things that I talk about today. Sometimes there wasn't a lot of like, uh, super practical, like scripture driven discipleship conversations in our household. Um, but there was a lot of like Judeo Christian values of what you do, what you don't do. Um, and so there, there's a good of that where it's like, you have some of those things instilled in you. I think the the difficulty as I grew older was in some ways it felt somewhat divorced from what it meant to be Mm -hmm. disciple, what it meant to follow Jesus. It was kind of like, there was a, a separate realm of like, well, these are just things that you're supposed to do. And so I'm, I'm thankful for those because still to this day, those are convictions that I have that I do think agree and align with what scripture teaches. But when I was growing up, it wasn't necessarily always explicitly connected to that. Yeah. Mine was hard work and responsibility comes first. Like, I, I don't know why. It's probably why I hated it as a teenager. Um, but like, that was just something that my parents just kind of, that's what they valued. And that's mm-hmm. kind of got what instilled in me. And um, and I, I appreciate him for it now. Oh, like sure. I said, I, I hated it when I was a teenager, but um, appreciate it for him now. But yeah, that really shaped and defined who I would become as an adult. Mm-hmm. So yeah, my dad told us that we had to have at least one year, one or two years of working outside. Like we had to do something late with labor. <laughs> yeah, and um, so we did landscaping, construction landscaping. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so thankful for that. I mean, it really did teach me work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Branch Podcast. We are here to discuss and to explore in depth the topics that we talk about on Sunday mornings um, through the teachings, but also theological topics that we're going through. Now, if you're walking into this conversation and kind of catching the tail end of what we're talking about here, we're talking about the way that our lives growing up have shaped and influenced us. And and Pastor Matthew, this this past weekend, you you really hit home the idea that we are shaped by the things that... Um, 
the, the things that surround us, the world we live in, uh, the way we've been raised, the um, really the context with which we find our life shapes how we think about things and how we approach life. So that's really what I want to talk about today. And, and let me just start by giving you an opportunity to kind of um, recap and maybe even explain a little bit better the way that that impacts our lives mm-hmm. um, for us. Yeah, I mean, so the, the image I gave on Sunday is that we have lenses that we look through and filter things through. So, um, you know, you're, there's even a phrase in our culture, rose-colored glasses. Sure. It, it's, a, it's a phrase that's kind of dealing with that topic of you can have a certain way that you look at things and filter it. So I gave 11 different ones on Sunday. Um, I can't do it from memory, but I mean, there's a bunch of different things from cultural to, um, I mean, even like the financial, uh, the socioeconomic system that you were raised in, um, where you live, even regionally. I mean, if you think about it, all these different things play into how we view things. And the point for Sunday was God is consistently trying to add to that a, a specific lens. And I would even say lenses. God is adding lenses to our lives to help us better process. But the the one lens that I talked about on Sunday was the lens of God's faithfulness, that Mm -hmm. if you don't look back at his faithfulness, it's really hard to have faith for the next season because Mm -hmm. God's not typically calling you to the exact same thing over and over. There's unique steps of faith. And so like, if every single time you have to start afresh with a step of faith, that is a very difficult way to exist. Mm -hmm. But when Mm -hmm. you can allow your faith to grow and build, that only happens by looking back. When you face something new, you go, man, I've, I've never faced this before, right. but man, I faced things that gave me the same emotions and same thoughts and insecurities and fears, and God was faithful. So when I look back, I can look forward. Uh, but I, but I, I think, I hope, and it's one of the values that I think we have as a, a teaching team and as a, a staff, I hope people will perpetually challenge their own ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you recommended a book to me that I read a, a year or so ago. Um, I don't know the exact title of it, but it's basically reading scripture through an American mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, through Western eyes. I Western think. eyes. Yeah. Okay, there it was. Um, and and even with the, in that book, what was interesting. I didn't agree with everything the person said, but mm-hmm. it was very thought provoking of realizing we view things through our lens and then have the deepest conviction that we're right. You know, so like right. we have a. You can say it any way you want. You can say an ignorance, but you could also say an arrogance that it what just seems normal to us is therefore right. And so a lot of people get so stuck in a pattern of thinking because they never stop and evaluate. Um, because like even the American mindset is so unique to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people miss that. And, and I'm not throwing shade at America. I'm just saying it's so unique mm-hmm. because we, we have a mindset of like basically unfiltered optimism in the sense yeah, of yeah. there's so like we think, I mean, even the whole concept of pull yourself up from the bootstraps, which is illogical, but it, it still is a mindset that every single person can be successful mm-hmm. if they just do it. Well, the vast majority of the world does not have that mindset. Right. So like, we filter everything through that. We filter other people's behaviors through that. So I, I guess that's a long answer, but it's just my heart was just to challenge people in general, how you think, what, what happened in your life to shape that, what gave you those lenses and then specifically add to that the lens of God's faithfulness. No, I, it, I, I think that's a great uh, recap, great explanation of kind of what, what we're going after here, because I think there is this level of we do not naturally view life this way. We're, right. I, I don't think we're naturally aware of mm-hmm. the fact that we are shaped by the, the surrounding, right. the context that we live in. So why is, that, why is that such a difficult thing, or why does it become a, why is that something we have to teach? Do you know what I'm saying? Why why do why are we so blind to and and maybe that's a little harsher than I mean it, but 
what, how do we miss that fact? Well, I, I think there is there is an extent to which all of us are blind to it because it's just the reality that we know, right? right. So if you grew up in a household, you grow up in a certain, you said like geographical region, like if you grow up in the Midwest versus the deep South or the West, mm -hmm. you know, West Coast, there's a, a different vibe, a different culture, different ways of thinking about right. things. And so when you're formed by all those different variables, you, you look at the world and you don't even ever question, do other people think this way, right? Do, do, if you're from California and you live in LA, do people in Lancaster, Ohio think this way? Like it's just not right. on our radar. We're, we're dealing with issues and we're kind of given all of that raw material. And so I think a lot of times it happens when you're confronted with a person who does have a different perspective. <laughs> And it really comes down to, are you, are you willing to listen, to hear, to understand? And I think, you know, we've talked about this before, where we are as a culture right now, I don't think a lot of people have that posture. A lot of people almost are immediately on the defensive. And, and to some degree, I understand that because it is scary to consider, what if I am wrong, right? What if the way right. I've been viewing this issue, this topic, what if, what if my worldview is skewed? Like, th that is a scary thing to think about and to consider, but at the same time, the opposite is if we if we don't do that, you have to come to terms with it's a pretty arrogant way to live life that the way that I see things is the only way to view them or the right way. And it just doesn't take into account all of the things that we're talking about that, um, you know, your family experience and my family experience are different. You know, mm -hmm. where you grew up, where I grew up, all of that, all of those different components, how we've been shaped. So to think that our viewpoints have been formed in a in a bubble, you know, in a, mm -hmm. a chamber where nothing has influenced it is just not the truth. But I think also um, most issues, as we've talked about, have far more nuance. I think you did you even say this Sunday yeah. morning, like most issues have far more nuance than we're willing to to allow for. And so it feels safer to say, OK, I'm on this. I'm on this side of things. I'm in this camp. Mm -hmm. I believe this thing. I don't really want to venture out there again because it, it almost becomes a crisis of worldview, a crisis of these are deeply held convictions. And almost, I think, for Christians at times, it may feel like a betrayal of our faith or a betrayal of our convictions mm. to actually ask that question, am I right or are there other ways of thinking about this? Or we jump to the extremes to think that maybe you know, what I'm thinking about, it's, again, it's that black and white, maybe I'm wrong and there's another way, rather than saying, well, no, maybe I do have a lot of things right, but I could change a few things and hear other perspectives. And so again, we, we almost go to these extremes of, well, if I'm not right, then that means this other person must be right. And that again, that's scary. Right? Right. That's scary to allow for that possibility for a lot of people. Yeah, I would say the entirety of my theological education has been this moment of like being confronted with thinking about a theological idea in a different light from a different perspective and the importance of of that is is you're right it's 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 scary because you go I've held this conviction my entire life I've thought this way my entire life and now here's this varying idea that might it, it both makes me have to think about the idea that I'm in mm -hmm. now but I am also challenged to either come to a better understanding of what I have what I do believe or I, I'm presented with a better idea than what I held, and now I can now I can change that. Mm -hmm. So there is fruit that comes from it. Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways you guys have found in your life that, that you have been challenged in this way, and you found um, fruit or life from from biting into that difficult process? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would say the no the number one uh, fruit is better relationships for me. I, I even talked about this on Sunday. Um, let me just pause and give a little preface to this. Um, I think the initial process of opening your minds to the idea 
that you could be wrong, that, that there's some things you can learn and grow. That initial idea, I think, is met with insecurity mm-hmm. because the things you believe are foundational. Mm-hmm. When, when you can get past that to understanding that I'm going to be better for it, I'm going to be stronger for it, and you start to find value in growing in knowledge, mm-hmm. then this thing that's insecure becomes this very empowering thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm in a season of life where I, I feel completely... This sounds crazy as I say this. I feel so empowered when I discover that I'm wrong. Again, that mm. sounds like a false statement. You guys, you guys <laughs> yeah, know what I'm saying, yeah, right? No, 100%. When, when I discover, like, oh, my theology was incomplete. My theology was wrong. Like, I feel so much stronger for that because I'm, I'm deconstructing something that's broken, but I'm reconstructing it with something stronger. Mm-hmm. So it's like if your house, like if you were to walk around your house and realize the foundation is going weak in one corner of your house and you shore that up, you know your house is stronger for it. That's how I feel now. So like now there's an excitement inside of me. And you guys are both a part of this journey for me. So you know I'm not like just talking this way for a podcast. It's exciting for me. But it's even that way in relationships and in life. When I can discover a better way to do something, I feel stronger. I feel better for it. So like Mm -hmm. the number one fruit in my life has been relationships. Um, I was raised in a... um, I hope anyone hears this. They don't feel like I'm just throwing shade at my, sure. my parents or my family sure. um, because I had the, the most blessed upbringing. Like I've already celebrated the fact my dad taught me principles of mm-hmm. loving the Word of God. My mom, too. She loves the Word of God. So I had this beautiful upbringing. But one of the negatives of our family was it was like you were in or out. It was mm-hmm. black and white. Everything was yeah. that way. So like if you showed any amount of pushback, if you distrusted us, my parents are pastors, um, it was like, you're on the outside. And like, oh, you don't agree 100% on our theology, you're on the outside. Mm. And so I was raised that way. And now to to learn, like to have so much more grace and open-mindedness, it, it's allowed me to love people better and mm. to be loved better and to realize my family's way was not best. It mm-hmm. just simply wasn't. Mm. And so, like, and I'm still learning. I've been married for 20 plus years. I mean, 20 uh, this year will be 23 uh, uh, years of marriage. And I'm still this week had conversations with Mary about how can I communicate better? How can I express things in a way that she can hear it better? And it's like it, my way of thinking, honestly, my way of thinking, what my preference is. Like, let's both be as blunt as we possibly can be. Yeah. Let's let's like let's not have no nuance. <laughs> like let's let's both lay it out, you know. And that's not Mary's way of communicating. So I could say, I'm right, you're wrong, and she could say she's right, I'm wrong, or we can both go. I just want to meet you where you're at. And so like yeah. learning those things has to me, it's just so strengthened relationships. And also, there are relationships that I would have broken in the past because of our difference of opinion that now. Aren't even that's not even a consideration in my mind. I can still love those people, be in a relationship with them, mm-hmm. and my life's better for it. And so that's that's been the number one fruit for me. What about you? Anthony? Yeah, I, I would add to that. Um, I, I would 100% agree. I think even even as believers, as people who are ministry pastors, I think one of the things it does cultivate is just really a spirit of understanding. Like where you when you actually sit down, I, I've said this so many times before. So many people in our society today, and, and all of us are maybe guilty of it at certain times. When we talk to someone, a lot of times when we listen, we're not listening to understand. We're listening to right. bide our time so that we can jump in and say what we want to oh, say. Yeah. So I think one of the things that it does is it actually changes. I, I would say it piques your curiosity yeah. in the sense of like, I want to hear your perspective because maybe there's something, an insight that I can glean from you mm-hmm. that I've never thought about before. Maybe because of your background, your upbringing, your education, whatever it is. 
you have an insight to offer to me. And so I'm the same as you in that I like I view it, I, I view it as another tool to add to my tool belt. Like this is an opportunity to learn, to grow, to develop, to increase in knowledge. Um, so that idea of curiosity, you know, one of the things I think I'd shared with you guys before. So for my undergrad, went to Malone, same place as you, Chris. Um, some of the, the people in the church that I was a part of at the time had a very negative view of Malone um, because it wasn't a specific like denomination. So I grew up a AG church. Uh, that, at least that was the background, doctrinally speaking. And so it was this view of like you had to go to a place that taught these you right. know, denominational uh, doctrinal viewpoints. The 16 fundamentals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so for me, though, what, what happened is when I ended up going to Malone, I always told people this afterward, I was not taught what to believe. I was taught how to believe or how to arrive at belief mm-hmm. in the sense mm-hmm. of um, creating a culture of curiosity where you are asking questions, where you're viewing uh, multiple different perspectives and viewpoints. Right. And so I would say that, w- that was very formative for me in the re- realization that like, okay, what I grew up believing is not the only way to think about these things. And mm-hmm. so I think that opens you up into a whole new realm of possibility where you do begin to ask questions. You say, oh, there's other people who are incredibly intelligent that don't necessarily agree with things that I've been taught my whole life. And so rather than saying, hey, you must believe this or you must believe this, no, let's look at these perspectives. Let's talk about this. This is how people arrived at this one. Mm-hmm. I think that whole thing shaped for me early on just that spirit of curiosity where is this right? Is this the way, the only way to view things? Is right. this the right way to view things? And to me, that that really just opens you up into a, a greater realm of possibility. I remember actually from my master's program, there was a book that we read. And this one, it was a real simple, thin book. It was called The 3D Gospel. It's talking about sharing the gospel in different cultures. And it was the first time I'd really ever thought about in our you know cultural context here in the Western world, it's kind of the the guilt gospel in the sense of like you're guilty before God, Jesus comes, he takes the punishment, so now you're forgiven, you're set free. But then it talked about like other cultures in the world, it talked about like the power dynamic gospel mm. in Africa, where like people who believe in traditional African religions, um, for them it's a very hyper-spiritual world. And so the idea of Christ being stronger than the spiritual world and having mm. authority and power is like never a way that I've thought about sharing the gospel because it doesn't really apply to the Western context. And then the Eastern context, which is very much about a shame, communal shame culture and how the gospel speaks to people. And it was just this first time where I was like, wow, like even what I understand as the gospel, like the basic of the Christian faith Mm. has so many different nuances depending where you are in the world and how you could communicate that. So those little moments for me were formative. With that book, was it, was it saying all are, all are good? All forms yes, of it, yeah. it was okay, just that's, saying that's it was cool. saying yeah. that the gamut of like what the gospel communicates through, and we get all of these images and illustrations. So that was what was cool is to read each of these chapters and say, oh, it actually does talk about them throughout the New Testament. We just don't always hone in on them because it's not speaking our language, so to speak. So we mm-hmm. focus in on like the guilt gospel in that you know we're guilty before God because we have a very judicial you know context that right. we live in, and so it was just it was pointing out that in some cultures that's not the way they think about things, and yet. The gospel speaks to all of these things mm-hmm. so that there's a contextual nature to how you communicate this. So again, it was like, wow, this is an amazing thing. It only it didn't threaten my faith. It it you know deepened it in the right. sense of wow, there's so much nuance to this. So you get this level of where understanding our contextual context, understanding the lenses with which we we view the world, how it drives empathy, but it also drives this ability to relate the what we believe to be true about mm-hmm. God to other people, gives us a window into their world. So we see this beautiful picture of 
when we understand that that the the lenses with we, which we view things for good and for bad, because there are good things that we have, but there's also negative things that we have, how it helps us in developing um, both what, living out the gospel, loving right. people, and proclaiming the message. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so I think that's a beautiful thing. Are there negative things that you've found that come with the the difficulty or with the the realization like we've talked about the fruit that kind of comes from it have you found any challenge in doing a a contextual version of life versus um this is the this is the truth this is what i'm going to live by and should people be is i think people would get weary or or feel leery of it you said there's a nervousness of it you said you you are empowered by it but how do people get past that point you know what i'm saying so like Or should people be nervous about it in any way, shape, or form? Is there any hesitancy to thinking about life this way? Yeah, I mean, I want to be clear. So as I say, I, I'm empowered by this. I would also say this way of thinking is the destruction of our culture uh, in the sense <laughs> well, of the you have a postmodern uh, culture right now that has gone to an extreme where they're saying all truth is relative. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm going with the question. Yeah, that's a dangerous side. So for, for me, and, and I know you guys would agree with this, it, it is an open-mindedness to truth, but believing that truth is revealed by God. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's revealed in His Word, it's revealed through His Spirit, it's revealed even in things like creation that point us toward God. The, the danger is trying to create truth not a part of any outside standard than yourself, of just following your emotions and your own logic. So the postmodern idea is that it's the responsibility of every culture in its current environment to define truth. So it's not just saying every generation, because they're not saying there's a universal generation that covers all cultures across the, the planet. Mm-hmm. They're, they're saying it's it's a it's a truth for this generation that's even regionalized. So like in your community that you live in, in, in like in your community and my community, we all live in three different cities in this area. We could each have our own individualized truth, and then it's based on what we feel and what we desire. Okay. I, I don't, to me, I don't want to sound condescending, but there's a part of me that goes, well, how could that possibly be truth then if mm-hmm. all of us can just change it? Mm-hmm. And so what that that leads toward is this chaos. I do believe that truth is revealed from heaven. I, I believe that there is mm-hmm. uh, definable truth, um, knowable truth in our lives, but it's mm-hmm. found through God in a relationship with God. So all of the the things that are growing and adapting in my mind and heart are doing so with the framework of the Word of God. So <clears throat> even the idea of like uh, loving people better by knowing them is shaped by the belief that that love was a principle that God wanted us to model. And He says, by this, sure. they'll know you're my disciples if you love one another. But again, what is love? Love is not just the emotion of what it is in our culture. It's mm-hmm. not feelings-based. It's not emotions-based and, and um, attraction-based, like all the different ways that we celebrate in our culture. The idea of agape love in the scriptures is an idea of a, a sac- sacrificial love. It, it's putting your your life uh, above mine, even. It's what God modeled for us. And so even defining what love is has to have a source outside of our own minds and our own ways of thinking. So mm-hmm. I think in our culture where it gets dangerous is people saying, okay, now I'm just open to anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'll say this, I'll sound snarky as I say it, but I, I would say it's like the TikTok generation that... They watch a TikTok video, a person says some type of truth, and a person goes, oh, yep, that's what I believe now. And you're like, you're going to watch a two-minute TikTok creative mm-hmm. video, and it basically just manipulated you. Yeah. So we're not talking about having weak minds that are yeah, just following the flows of culture. It's just having a mind that's open, 
but also building like even in a secure way of saying, I want to research that. So I'm not changing my mind just because you said something. Yeah. I'm not changing my mind because that that just seemed right to me. Right. I go, oh, yeah, right. now that you say that, that makes sense. So again, I, I'm sounding condescending as I say this, but so many people change their convictions because it makes sense to them. It mm-hmm. sounds right to me. Like they'll yeah. say things like that, and I'm going, no, you, you should hear something, and there should be a part of you that resists it, and then you should wrestle through it somehow, have a system in place to find if that's truth, and then from there grow. So like for me... Um, it's not an exaggeration. You guys know this because you're you're on the journey with me. But there are five, six major theological things within the last few years that I have radically changed my perspective on. And, and the last time I shared this on the podcast, I got a lot of emails from people going, what are what? they? What are they? What are they? <laughs> yeah. what are they? You'll hear them sooner or later. But no one's going to be, I'm not going to threaten anyone's foundation. But anyway, the those things, each one of them was initially met with resistance. Yeah, It was like, what? Because yeah. I had this deep conviction. So then I went to the Bible. And, and it, it has been a multiple-year journey that mm-hmm. I've been on of mm-hmm. studying a concept. Like, literally, again, I'm just saying this for the people's benefit, where something challenged my way of thinking that I thought, there's no way this is true. I start reading books and stuff on it. I start to have an open-minded to it. Maybe this is true. Then I, I'm not exaggerating. I literally went back and reread the entire Bible, now with this mindset of, is it possible the Bible's teaching this? Took more notes, reread a book on the topic, went back and reread the Bible again, and now go, okay, my mind has changed. I now clearly see mm. this one here. And I've done this now with multiple topics. And what's funny is I've had to reread the Bible because I'm looking at a new topic again. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because yeah. one time I'm reading it, really looking for this truth and that. So sorry, that was a super long answer, but you no, guys no, get a great answer. That that's my conviction on it. Yeah, well, e- even what you're saying is you're reading between the lines of what you're saying there is you're saying you had a certain lens that initially you looked at the Bible through on those topics until somebody else gave you another lens to look through and you're like, Oh wow, I see this even more clearly than the one that I initially had Mm -hmm. seen. And so you're, you're even recognizing some of those lenses that until it was brought up to you, you didn't even realize you had on. Okay. I'll carry off just for a second. I had one with you recently, uh, recently it's all relative. It's like a few months ago Mm -hmm. um, where I'm reading the Bible and I'm going, I don't see this one principle. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, oh yeah, I go, yeah, I don't yeah. see this principle in the Bible that I've been taught my whole life. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. and I literally walked out of my office and I walk over to his table and I go, Hey, I got kind of something weird to say. I don't see this in the Bible. And he immediately goes, yeah, I don't either. It's not there. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. I've been taught this my entire life. Yeah. I didn't even know there were people out there that didn't believe yeah, this. Right. And I went, here and I was like, fill me in on this, and he started to walk me through it. And then I found out you felt the same way, and yeah. I was like, how did I not know this? Because yeah, right. I, again, I had this one lens that yeah. I was taught as a kid, and and I would say the vast majority of modern day evangelical Christians think Probably. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yep. And and then you guys showed me like it doesn't actually say it anywhere in the scripture, and I mm-hmm. went, that's so weird to me. So, yeah. So yeah. No. Yeah. I I think the one um the one potential danger, maybe not a danger, but but something that. Uh, we have to be careful. Number one, you, you mentioned Sunday. I thought this was so good that you almost, it's like we need to clear the air and make sure we talk about this was the concept of deconstruction. I think mm, right. because yeah. of that right now in our culture, I think even this conversation potentially makes people in our church nervous. It sure. makes Christians nervous because it's almost like, don't ask too many questions. Yeah. Because that mindset is, what if you deconstruct? And, and I thought you did a great job of talking about, there is a deconstruction that is good in that we're stripping away things that maybe are not mm. true, so right. that we can build it up with things that are true that Scripture actually teaches, because so many of these things we believe were because we had a certain lens, a cultural lens, mm. 
um, looking at the Bible through. So I think part of it is there, there's a hesitancy of, okay, we don't want to ask too many questions because of deconstruction, because people are going to go way off in the deep end. They're going to make shipwreck of their faith. Like that's, mm -hmm. I think, a lot of times how people automatically think is when you're asking these questions, when you're wrestling with these concepts. Um, but I do think there, there's the other side of it is as, particularly as Americans, we can only speak as Americans. I don't know how the rest of the world thinks. I do think there's a part of it as a human being, we want to know truth. We want to feel like we have firm convictions, a firm grasp on the things that we really, that are the foundation of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is something unnerving about looking at certain topics. And, and what I've realized, and you guys can you know, fill me in on this, how you feel about this. It's almost like the more that I learn, the, re the, the realization is like the less that I know. Yeah. And there is something unsettling about that because it you're is. like, man, I felt like I had such firm convictions. And for anyone listening, it's, it's not to say that our convictions about the core tenets of Christianity right, have right. ever changed. Right. But there are certain doctrinal issues, certain ways of thinking about things where it's like, oh man, I was so sure of this, and now I'm not as sure about this right. specific issue. And so there is something unsettling about that, because I think we do, we want control in the sense of, I want to feel like I've got this figured out. Like there's something in us as human beings. But what I've realized is nowhere in scripture does, does God ever command as, as disciples of Jesus to be obedient, to be faithful, that we have every single aspect of faith figured out, right? There is right. some element, we've talked about this, Chris, a lot, yeah. like the element of, of mystery, which is something I think we both appreciate about like the Eastern Orthodox Church, they, they leave more room for mystery in some of these mm -hmm. tensions, these paradoxes in Scripture. So what I've realized, it doesn't change my ability to cultivate deep intimacy with God. It doesn't change right. my ability to be faithful to God. It doesn't change my ability to be obedient to God if I have a more nuanced understanding of some of these doctrinal issues. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of the Western world, too, is that we have equated Christianity with knowing certain facts or knowing certain ideas and that's what's made a lot of these conversations really difficult is like yeah. even the idea of like growing up in Sunday school or, or even framing discipleship as a class, right? You go to discipleship class, you learn these certain mm -hmm. truths. If, if that's your understanding mm -hmm. of what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, then these things would be potentially threatening rather than realizing, no, we can actually have an open-handed posture on some mm -hmm. of these topics um, foster deeper relationships with one another, bridges of understanding, grow in our understanding of these things while maybe not always landing on super firm ideas on some of these, you know, doctrinal perspectives. Yeah. yeah. I, I love, I love the, the thoughts that you guys are bringing to this because it really does shape a, a, a world where we, we do believe that God reveals himself to us and we believe that God, God is true and that that what he tells us about himself can be known. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it keeps the humble posture of we might not be able to take in all of the information that God is right, re right. revealing in the world and allows us to, to walk humbly mm -hmm. with other people, with other, uh, and I'll say viewpoints within the faith and even the viewpoints outside of the faith where we go and we look at those things and we go, that doesn't make quite sense to me, but what they say here, we need to think about that. Right. Um, I know you mentioned the TikTok videos where where people will say things that sh that that shake people's faith, or that the TikTok video person believes that he is right. deconstructing the house of cards or whatnot, <laughs> and and really th this kind of process of thinking critically, but also trusting and believing in God, mm -hmm. really creates a more robust faith mm -hmm. uh, in that. If, if it's not just that one set of beliefs, it's not the house of cards, it's not as easily tumbled. And, and, right. and there are, I know some of those TikTok videos where I've been like, yeah, he said that, most scholars know that, and that's not a, 
it's not a reason to abandon faith in God. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, well, we had a conversation about this in my office this week, where I, I watched a guy on TikTok um, that he he was fairly solid from everything I could tell. And mm-hmm. I, and I even said like to you, I'm like, I might send you the video, but I don't know if this guy is solid or not, but just from the things I've seen seems solid. But he goes, I, I want you to understand that this other TikToker, this is going to be super confusing as I try to word this. <laughs> but so this one TikToker says this other TikToker that all these Christians are really upset at because he basically has set himself up against Christianity. Mm-hmm. And in some ways is trying to like deconstruct. And like you said, kind of knock down the house of cards, but he goes, I want you to understand, some of the things he says is widely accepted in almost every major theological institution that's teaching the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and it was really fascinating to me, because what he was saying is um, that there are other ways to think about certain topics, and it's okay. And like mm-hmm. you said earlier, you weren't taught what to think, you were taught how to think. Yeah. And that's what the institutions are doing. I think that is the tension in our world, and even in modern-day American Christianity, is we're not teaching people how to think, we're teaching them what to think. So, yeah. like, one of the things I, I, I don't like about our culture is, and this isn't unique to America, because this was even in the Scriptures to some degree, but we are constantly trying to find the box that we need to fit in and yeah. put people in yeah. consistently. So, like, we like it's the all-or-nothing of politics. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are a Republican... Here's a list of all the things you have to agree on. And if yeah. you don't agree on all of these and you're not mm-hmm. a true Republican, mm-hmm. here's all the things you have to agree on. And like I know for me, when I finally found freedom, even in politics, I realized I don't fit in either of those parties, not 100%. Absolutely. Now, right. I, I obviously lean conservative because mm-hmm. of a lot of my biblical mm-hmm. convictions in my life. But there's a lot of things with the conservative party that I find awful and yeah. I, and even yeah. illogical, if I'm being honest. And so like there's that tension I have. But we do the same thing in theology. Where we're like, okay, like, I mean, this is why we have denominations. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, my sons have been talking to me a lot about denominations, and I'm like, guys, this is my problem with denominations, is you're making the assumption that that we can reduce God and His truth down to a box. Mm-hmm. So, like, we, we were raised in an AG, Assemblies of God influence background. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, they have they literally have 16 fundamentals of truth. Well, I don't agree with all 16 of right. those. And so I'm like, well, I'm not that. And then I look at the Methodist and I go, well, I'm not that. And I look at Presbyterian and I go, well, I'm not that. And I realize none of us are. And so like whenever we try to reduce it down to a box and then fit someone in, I think that's the problem because we're teaching them, you have to believe these things mm-hmm. versus having an open mindset. And then this is like my other deep conviction is even when it comes to these truths, and I hope what I say right now doesn't feel like I'm undermining what I've already said, but the vast majority of human history, there hasn't been an assembled Bible. Right. There hasn't right. been a document. I mean, yeah. the printing press is a modern phenomenon. Yeah. And so, like, the vast majority of history, a relationship with God was just that. It was a relationship with God shaped by truths. So we know that God revealed truths, and it was communicated more often than not through oral tradition mm-hmm. and communicating that way. Though it was written down, it just wasn't readily available to every person. Mm-hmm. And so in within communities, there was truth, but it was also, how does this truth impact my behavior to have a personalized relationship with God? So that's what I want to teach people is the relationship with God is critical. It's the, it's the beginning, most important part, His mm-hmm. Spirit inside of you, guiding you into all truth. That's what Jesus promised His disciples. Mm-hmm. I'm physically leaving. They're devastated. He goes, no, oh, this is better for you, because the Spirit's going to remind you of what I've taught you. He's going mm-hmm. to guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you new things. And so in that process of having God in us, we can go to truth and realize we all might not fit in the same box, because sometimes when we get these either-or questions, 
like you look at the Bible, God looks like he's this way sometimes, and sometimes it looks like this way. Which one is he? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, is God at times incredibly um, um, black and white in judgment and righteous? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Are other times, is he richly in grace to the point where you think, why were you so gracious? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, did he hold one guy to a standard that looks differently to another guy? Yeah, it does at times. Yeah. You know, like, why this, you know, Saul makes a sacrifice and he's rejected as king. David has an adultery and kills a man and he's a man after God's own heart. Like, you, you look at some of these tensions and you go, why? And you go, well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, and, and I think the one potential danger, like the pitfall of all of this is you can swing the pendulum to the other side where you say you're almost so open-handed that it, it becomes a postmodern perspective right. where you're like, well, there may be truth, but we can't know it. And I think that's another danger of this this whole conversation is that's not what we're saying. We're not, not saying all. that... Uh, we're certainly not saying that there's no truth. We, we right. would all fully sure. agree that there is truth. God has revealed truth. The Bible is true. Um, and that we can know it. It's just that there are nuances and there are perspectives on certain topics um, but we never want to swing the pendulum to that to that place to say, just because I may have a perspective on a certain topic that says, I don't fully know, like I'm wrestling with this paradox, I'm wrestling with this tension, that doesn't mean there aren't 14 other things that I would say, I am firmly convinced of this, and I have right. deep convictions mm-hmm. about these areas. And so I think that's the other dangers. We don't want to swing the pendulum to where it's, where now we're saying, well, just throw up your hands and say, well, you can't know anything, so why even try? You know. Yeah. And I know, and I've yeah. known personally people in my life that have that posture because again, to them, their whole understanding of Christianity is is simply almost facts on a page. And if if we can't guarantee or nail those down, then what are we doing? Like that's mm-hmm. the posture. Yeah, and I think another thing to keep in mind is the the safety in being critical of the way you think, the safety in exploring the nuances of faith, the nuances of scripture, all of that, all of that comes in when you're doing it within the context of community, mm-hmm. like when you're right. involved in a local church. When you look at how the, some of the major theological concepts developed in the church, and this is, I know church history is probably like one of the most, one of the most probably, I, you just don't see a whole lot of church history in like popular modern day church, right. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But one of the things that I think is so beneficial from it is you develop an understanding of how the church came to understand the things that it professes. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, and that makes it, that, that helps you come to an understanding of this is how the church understands the truths that it knows. It's within the context of community as they've studied the scriptures together, as they've explored and talked about these different nuances mm-hmm. and, and done all these things that together they came together and said, this is our best understanding of, of the word of God and as we see it. And so this is what we believe as a church. And so you, you get different expressions of that with the denominations and with the different things, but there is a general consensus of general things that God has taught about Himself right. it, it, throughout the history of, yeah. of of the of theology and of the church, and so mm-hmm. thinking about those things, let can you guys just kind of talk a little bit about some of the some of the core things that you're like? We understand there's nuance to a lot of this, but these are some of the core things that that we think about that that the church has taught over history. That we would go; these are the things that really stand as what we know as truth about God. Sure, and, and I, I love the point you just made, because even as I was uh, talking about my, some of the tension I had with denominations, one of the most beautiful parts about almost every evangelical denomination is, are the core things mm-hmm. are the same? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, like, I mean, I'll name a couple, and then Anthony can add to them. It's, 
Um, one is the idea that we are sinners, that, that sin separated us from God, mm-hmm. that there was a brokenness that happened because of sin, and that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. He was our propitiation. He, mm-hmm. he was the sacrifice that put us back in a right relationship with God. So Jesus, who was God in the flesh, he never sinned, which allowed him to be a sacrifice on our behalf. So all of our sin was placed on him. Scripture tells us that. He who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so when Jesus, when he died, that was a sacrifice on our behalf, God resurrected him, signaling to the world that he accepted that sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so how we receive that is by grace. It is God's grace. So we receive it by faith, but it's grace that's given to us. So these are like fundamental things. And so Mm -hmm. like when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and begin to walk in obedience in that process, like our faith is real enough that it impacts our behavior, um, that's when we start to, that's when we experience salvation. That's when eternal life begins. And it is a relationship. Mm -hmm. God did not um, save us just simply to like check a box. He saved us because he wanted to be in relationship Mm -hmm. with us. So like all of that is like the foundational principles. He sent his spirit to be a part of us, um, to to guide us and to empower us and comfort us and to radically change us. That's the foundation. All the other stuff are somewhat peripheral. And to me, it's the joy of searching it out. Where it becomes a negative is when it becomes a process to exclude. Okay, now you don't agree with me. You're on the outside. It's like, no... It, I think the joy of it is 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 being able to discuss it and realizing you know what we come we come at this from different angles and we we embrace different thoughts and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would just reiterate some of those. I mean, some of the foundational ones like like monotheism, right? Like as Christians, right. we believe there is one God. Now, it is unique in that we believe He's Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. But even as you were saying, I mean, that was from the earliest councils where where they agree like this is what we believe about the nature of God, and they were trying to figure that out. Um, but, you know, defining God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, some of the attributes of God. I mean, even today, we live in a very, like, New Age society where everything is kind of spiritual, so you have elements of, these are words that people don't use, but, like, pantheism or panentheism, this idea of, like, God is kind of in and through everything, and it's like, no, Christians actually believe God is separate from creation. He is the creator of God. Everything exists because of him. He created everything. So some of those distinctions, um, you know, the nature of Jesus, I think you, you... mentioned some of them, just that he is both God and man. Like these are right. what we would call closed-handed issues that that apart from him being God and man, he was not able to atone for the sins of the world. He's not able to bridge the gap uh, between, you know, the chasm between God and man. Uh, one of the most unique ones, you know, you talked about the atonement. Jesus died for us on the cross. This is one that's debated. What does that mean? All Christians agree that that is foundational to our salvation, right, right. that Jesus died on the cross. But depending on what denomination or what you know background right. you talk to, you know, as I was mentioning earlier with the book, the 3D Gospel, some of us we we talk about so like one of the the terms would be penal substitu- mm-hmm. substitutionary atonement, right? This idea of you know the the penalty of our sin was upon Jesus, and now we're forgiven and we're freed. Right. There are people who reject that perspective right. on atonement, but that would still say it's through the atonement of Jesus, through what Jesus did on the cross that we're saved, but it's because he removed the powers of evil and of Satan over us and, or the power of death that had, you know, its hands over our lives. So like those different versions of the atonement or what Jesus did, but it's nevertheless, all Christians everywhere would agree through Jesus sacrifice, we are saved. And, and even I was thinking of like the, the dynamic of faith and works, everybody would agree, right? We're saved by faith there's some distinctions, though, among yeah. denominations. Are we, are we saved by faith and works? But even those are just 
barely nuances, right? We believe yeah. that faith and works should both be present mm. in the life of a believer. So there are some of those like foundational things that really are consistent across the board, but there are some nuances and perspectives in how you know we view some of them. Yeah. Well, guys, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Um, any closing thoughts, any other final perspectives that you want to share before we, we wrap up? Yeah, I, I, my final thing I would say is uh, when you're on your pursuit of truth, I, I'm going to reiterate something I've already said, make sure, I think what you said was great, do it in community. Mm-hmm. Um, do it with, a, I think, a genuine pursuit of truth. I, I think if you're an honest seeker, mm-hmm. you will find truth. You will find God. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't just try to base it on your feelings. Don't base it on someone else's feelings. Find a source outside of yourself. I believe the Word of God is that source that mm-hmm. can reveal all truth to you. But I would say for all people, as you are in a pursuit of truth, remember what, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, that, I mean, he's like, I could speak in the tongue of angels, but have not love, and I am just a, mm-hmm. a symbol. I am, mm-hmm. I'm an annoying noise. You know, I could, have, I could have all wisdom to understand all things, but if I have not love, it's like pointless. And I think so often today, even in the church world, one of the, my least favorite characteristics is a person who thinks they really know theology and they use it as a hammer on people. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I've had it even as a pastor. I've had people want to argue with me in theology, and they just there's not even a possibility in their mind that they could be wrong. And they're they're violent. They're violent mm-hmm. with their words. They're violent yeah. with their actions. And you're just like it's it doesn't represent the heart of Christ. So if if your truth doesn't cause you to love the way that God commands you to love, then you're off track. Yeah. Right. Um, it, 100%. You, Jesus' truth should compel you to love people better. And so in this, like, again, honestly seek truth, and and I think part of the fruit of that is the more you understand who God is, the more you should love people. And yeah. if that's not the direction you're going, then I think you're on the wrong, wrong path. Yeah, just to piggyback off that, I would say people who view things differently than you are not your enemies, right? Exactly. Like, like change your perspective on that. And, and to me... It's it's a win-win in the sense of uh, if you approach you know your relationships with those people who believe things differently have different viewpoints if you approach it with humility, um, worst case scenario you know you're you're wrong right you have right. a you have a wrong perspective and you learn something from yeah. somebody else that that gives you more empathy it illuminates maybe truth in a way that you've not seen things before and you realize maybe this is really is what the Bible teaches and what church history has always taught, mm-hmm. and my viewpoint has been wrong. So worst case scenario, you're wrong, but you learn something new. Yeah. Best case is, you know, this brother or sister, this person you're meeting with, they learn something from you, and maybe you do yeah. have the right perspective, but because you approached it in love and in humility and with a posture of curiosity, I, I think even that, there is something powerful about that, even just loving people in a practical way when we're curious curious about what they believe and how they arrive there. Like there's something uniquely powerful about, man, like you have a unique story. I want to hear it. I want right. to hear how you arrived at yeah. that. That type of posture is a way to build bridges, not cause greater separation. And again, um, what I would call almost tribalism right. that we oftentimes see in the church or viewing people as, hey, this is this person is an enemy because they view things differently yeah. than me. Um, if the, yeah, I agree with you. If that's your posture, then there's yeah. something deficient, something off in our theology. Yeah, there's a book I read. It's a science fiction book called Ender's Game. And in there, there's a line in that book where I'm kind of paraphrasing because I don't know the exact quote, but Ender says, he's like the main character. He's like this brilliant young boy. Uh, but he says, uh, to fully know my enemy is to love him. And what he was saying is like, the more and more he studied his enemy, you start to understand their perspective. You start to understand their values. He, and at some point it crosses over where you go, I so fully know this person that I can really relate to him, and so I love him. It's a powerful line mm. in the book. 
And, and I, I agree with that in the sense of like this person who on one hand could be opposed to me or my enemy. If I really have the heart to just say, I just want to get to know them so I can honor them. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I want to be able to understand their heart. And I think when we get to that place and not just view everything in such a defensive place, mm -hmm. we can love well. Yeah. And, and that's really the ultimate heart is I want to love people well. And, and I've had people that, I mean, are just on the polar opposite of, of some major issues that I'm really passionate about. But when I ask questions and let them speak and, mm -hmm. and actually listen, not, not to form my next argument, but to mm -hmm. listen to hear, yeah. um, I, I, can, I love them better. And, and it softens my heart. And so, yeah, I, I think we're just kind of reiterating the same things, but I think it's an important practice to have in your life. And, and, and that's a great thought to, to kind of end with is just that that whole concept of theology is not leading you or knowledge isn't leading you to uh, to that place where you can do what these guys were just saying, loving people well. Um, it's, it's time to maybe stop and, and be critical of yourself. And so yeah. um, so thank you again so much for joining us, guys. I appreciate your insights and the 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 things that you brought to this conversation. And thank you for listening and, and joining us for uh, for this podcast. If you uh, are enjoying it and you're getting a benefit from it, we'd love for you to take the time to rate it, review it, and then share it with your friends so that other others can gain from the, the perspectives that we're sharing and talking about here. So um, otherwise, we hope to see you next week and hope that you have a great week.